Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Today, let's conduct a poll about forgetting, forgetting. While we almost universally agree that we should forgive, there are two schools of thought about forgetting. One school of thought, which you may call the forgetting group, says we should forgive and forget in order to move on. They cite scriptures like Philippians 3.13, which urges us to forget the things that are behind and reach forward to the things that are before. And so that is school number one, the forgetting group. The second school of thought is the remembering school. And they submit that forgetting is a recipe for repeating your mistakes. They argue that a person who forgets the dynamics of an offense could easily get hurt again because they fail to learn the lesson. They also insist that forgetful people are ungrateful. They quote several verses in the Bible that urge us to remember, including Isaiah 46 verse 9, which says, Remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no other like me. So which school of thought do you belong to and why? Which one comes closest to your personal philosophy? Are you a forgive and forget or are you a forgive and remember? Share your thoughts with us right here on your virtual university. Which one do you belong to? Forgetting or remembering and why? You can share it by Facebook, post on our Facebook pages, myself and comfort, or post it on the, the Legacy and Legacy Facebook page or Springboard, the Virtual University Facebook page, and we'll share it to the whole world. You can send it on WhatsApp 0244304437, or you can send it by SMS 1422 across all the networks. Which do you belong to? Forgive and forget or forgive and remember? Along the line today, I'll be sharing with you some tips on public speaking as we prepare for our public speaking seminar for CEOs, top leaders, pastors, public servants, and senior sales executives. It is coming up soon, and we will be giving you some details about it. I'm also going to tell you why you should sign up to the Springboard SMS Academy. Today is day number 12 of our 31 Secrets of the World's Greatest CEOs. And it's all happening right on your mobile phone every single morning. It's education made easy. Right. And so that brings me to my main subject or my main discussion for today. Tonight is edition number six in our special series called the Leaders Digest. Our simple task bring together leaders in various fields of endeavor and distill the core principles or values that undergird their lives and the experiences that may have informed those values. And so far we've just begun to draw a graph about the most commonly occurring values and principles and at the end of the series we hope to compile a report that can be of great use to you in your quest to find out what is it that goes on in the engine room of the leaders of this nation particularly corporate leaders as well as leaders from other fields of endeavor my guest for tonight holds various degrees in law from the University of Ghana, from Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. She holds an M.A. and is currently a Ph.D. candidate in theology, and she holds several fellowships 
also an adjunct lecturer in law at the University of Ghana. She's won several awards, including the African Women's Leadership Institute Award for Excellence in Feminist Leadership in Africa, United States of America Embassy Second Annual Martin Luther King Jr. Award for Peace and Social Justice. And I remember her from the Millennium Excellence Awards 2010 because we sat next to each other. Angela Jomna Bwaji has invested 23 years of her life in women's human rights, activism, policy, advocacy, and services. She's the executive director of the ARC Foundation, which she established in 1995. But the question is, what drives Angela? What would she consider success with all the qualifications that could make her a top drawer corporate executive on high street pulling all the big bucks what makes her pursue gender activism what does she want what is she looking for and what are the principles or the pillars that hold her life angela welcome to springboard thank you thank you very much reverend albert it is always good to see you always We'll be finding out the pillars that hold your life. And before we go into today's discussion, let me let me throw at you this subject that is already already boiling on social media. Forgive mm. and forget, or forgive and remember. And there are two very compelling schools of thought. One school says, listen, forgive and forget. Forgetting the things that are behind and reaching forward to the things that are before, press on towards the mark. The second school says, we can also quote scripture. They say, listen, if you forget, you will repeat the same mistake. And, and and several times in the Bible, God urges us to remember. Remember the Lord thy God. Remember the things of old. Remember the ancient landmarks. So both schools of thought are quoting scripture. Both, both schools of thought are very convinced that this is the right one. In your opinion, should we forgive and forget or forgive and remember? Well, the truth must be lying somewhere in the middle of the two schools of thought. And thankfully, you and I have sat at the feet of a great teacher. Dr. Mensah Tabil, who tells you categorically that the mind is not designed to forget. The very nature of our brains, you know, if everything is working well, does not forget. It means that forgetting must be put within a certain context. Forgiveness is universal. Almost every religion preaches forgiveness. And, and in Christianity, we know that forgiveness is actually central to the faith. Um, but forgetting is not something anybody can do easily because your brain will always bring the issue up. It means that God designed it so that you will not forget the lessons. God designed this in such a way so that you cannot you cannot simply go away from your past. Indeed, a, a human being without his or her past is lost. You need your past to know who you are and where you've come from and where you're going. Okay, so I believe that, you know, somewhere within the two schools of thought is the truth. Forgive, but your mind will enable you to understand and remember the lessons. But you don't dwell on the actual incidents that led to the pain. You don't dwell on it. You have to move past it. And as a Christian, I tell you, if it's very difficult for you to move past the pain, ask the Holy Spirit. He's the expert in helping you to get rid of pain because he will take it away little by little until the sting is gone but the memory will be there and it won't cause you pain any longer 13 minutes past the hour of seven opening remarks of Angela Jamna Bwaji my guest for tonight as we explore 
whether we should forgive and forget or forgive and remember. And she's telling us that somewhere in the middle yes, is, is the solution. And, and, and so far on social media, the forgive and remember team is leading <laughs> and the forgive and forget team is trailing. And somewhere in the middle, there's a third school of thought that says both. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 one, one of the opinions, uh, opinions being expressed says that, you see, if the, it depends on whether it's a scratch or a deep stab wound. If it's a scratch, you can easily forget. If it's a deep stab, you can't forget it. We'll be reading some of those thoughts as we go along. But mm-hmm. as you know, our custom is to give you a scripture for the day. And today, in, in, in keeping with the subject we are discussing, the scripture for today is about offense. So if you can tell me the Bible chapter and verse where this is found, you will get a copy of our book, Mentoring for Success. You know where to post it on the Springboard the Virtual University Facebook page. So open the page and get ready. I'm going to read out the passage. Just give us the Bible chapter and verse, the book, the chapter and the verse. And the first person to post it gets to win a copy of the book, Mentoring for Success. Here is your simple Bible verse. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Where can this be found? If you know, post this on Springboard the Virtual University Facebook page. First past the mark, you win yourself a copy of the book, Mentoring for Success. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath or anger. Somebody said that's why we have two ears and one mouth. Slow to speak. And slow to anger, but swift to hear. This is Springboard, your virtual university, brought to you by Legacy and Legacy Enjoy 99.7 FM. My guest for tonight, Angela Jamina Buaji, is edition number six of the Leaders Digest. And we're trying to find out the pillars, the principles that govern her life. Let's find out from Angela. Angela, what, what got you into, um, gender Activism. It's it's quite a a unique assignment, if I may call it. That how did you find yourself in it? Is, is this something you always were interested in from your childhood? Um, I'd say um, yes and no. Let me explain that very briefly. Um, as a child, I I came from a middle class background, and in that place, you are very sheltered. You know, my 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 late father was a lawyer. My mother was a house uh, wife. And it's very, very difficult for you to see that there are real social uh, differences between people. That, you know, people have all kinds of status. Some are low status, some are high status, you know. And there are differences between men and women and all of that. It's difficult for you to see that. But as I was growing up and I observed, you know, my own home, you know, the relationship between my father and my mother, um, loving parents, but... There are obvious power differences, you know. Uh, like I keep saying, dad can get away with almost anything. And I used to wonder why mom can't get away with, with, with all that, you know. If he had to go somewhere and come back late in the night, he could. Mom couldn't do that. I used to wonder about some of those things. And then I went to school, especially in the university and studying law and getting into family law, especially. I realized that there were whole systems, um, legal systems, customary systems, social systems that clearly drew the differences between males and females, whether you were born male or you were born female and you became a man or a woman. And often women would get the short end of the stick 
whether it came to customary law practices or uh, inheritance systems, land systems, legal systems, you know, name it, education and so on. And I was a bit of a radical when I was in school, you know, so I, I studied a bit around of socialism, if you like. Okay, so... um when you you read a bit of Karl Marx and all those people, you begin to think, oh, well, there's something really going on that needs examination here. And then I grew up some more. And I decided that, look, if there's anything I want to do with my life, I would like to contribute to make life better, especially for women and for children. Um, women primarily children as a second point of focus but because children consist of both boys and girls and so by the time I went to do my master's in law in the US studying women's legal rights um, uh, studying women's legal rights and coming back it, it had formed for me that this was something I wanted to dedicate my life to um, growing up some more again I realized that this is quite like a calling for me because I'm not just Angela went to school, learned socialism, learned about gender, learned about I'm Angela, and I believe in Jesus Christ. And I believe that he definitely has a call for my life. And so people may call me gender activists, women's rights advocates, whatever it is that they want to call me. I believe that I'm doing something in service of humanity, and my focus is more on helping women to find their own space, helping women to believe in themselves, you know, and to become empowered in whatever God has created them to become and to be the best in whatever it is that God has created them to become. So that's the way I see it now that, you know, I'm more grown up. Right. You talk about being yes. more grown up. So it, it, it tells me to go back to the, mm -hmm. a decade or so ago. Mm -hmm. And and I, I can't help but envisage or, or, or remember the typical posturing of the gender activists at the time. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you were coming up against what was seen as a principality or a very mm -hmm. a, a stronghold or a very big challenge. And so the language tended to be very aggressive. The posture tended to be extremely aggressive. And so there was a general perception that who are these people and what is it that they are fighting <laughs> the, the natural laws of life, the laws of God. And do, do you find that people misunderstand what you do a lot? Um, these days, no. Because more people, the evidence is out there. I mean, there is there isn't only the media that's opened up there are institutions for human rights institutions like the police you know so the evidence is out there when we began a lot of people thought we were crazy i mean we were called names you know um marriage records and all kinds of things like that and i think it's because people misunderstood that we were looking at a system we were looking at systems of tradition systems of thought systems of um, institutionalism or institutionalization of things that's made it difficult for a, a segment of the population to shine okay so when we talked about the fact that violence against women was endemic people thought we were going off or we, we we'd come from abroad and we were coming to you know brainwash people within Ghana and so on and so forth but in a few years I mean, with the opening up of the media and with, you know, all of these things, people suddenly realize that it's real. It's real. Right. It really is real. Right. If girls have to go to school, people have to shout. If girls have to, if women have to go and give birth and be safe, people have to shout. 
if women have to go into politics and share their intelligence and ideas and um, skills and abilities and experiences, people have to shout. You know, almost anything, and it's not peculiar to Ghana, all over the world. Go back even into Christian history and you would know that women have always tried to put out their God-given skills and talents. But there's a segment of the population, not just men, but men and women who believe that, no, they should be kept in the background. Right. And so that's the way it's been. Have we made progress? Oh, lots and lots of progress. I mean, um, on several different fronts. If you're talking about Ghana, um, yes, even though I think sometimes it's a bit too slow. Um, but if you're talking about um, maybe the world, yes, now more women are CEOs, more women are in the boardrooms. And in the boardrooms, people are not expecting them to rise and make the tea. You know, anybody can rise and make tea, male or female, or coffee for that matter. Women are... Um, do um, judges and magistrates, women are administering all kinds of institutions and so on. There are more and more women in parliament. More and more girl children are going to school. Um, issues around maternal mortality is being taken care of in several different ways. So we've come a long way with scientific developments, research, act- activism, you know, and all of that. But I still think that, you know, the world can never get it right anyway. On any situation, we are in a broken world. And so we should expect that there will still be these things where women have to fight to be heard, to be recognized, to do what they want, they have to do. Persons with disability, the same. Mentally challenged people, the same. Children, the same. Youth, the same. Um, and even poor men and vulnerable men, the same. You know, so I mean, I mean, the world is skewed. I'm going to be sharing with you a very, very interesting perspective from 701 kilometers away in Wa in the Upper East region, mm-hmm. the Upper Upper West region, sorry, mm-hmm. um, very shortly. But um, you talk about progress, and my mind goes to the fact that I speak at quite a few graduation ceremonies, and I find that very often the top students are women. Oh, um, yes. I have spoken at graduations where... That's what we were first, saying second, all the time. First, second, third, up to... Ninth, where, where, where exactly. girls before the, the boys come trailing through. Our point exactly. So why were we keeping women away from school? Did God make a mistake? So no. now, now, now we should probably have affirmative action to bring the boys up. Oh yes, in other countries they are doing it, and that's exactly what we've been saying. But people think because we say women, then it's all about women. No, it's about just sheer inequality, injustice. Where you find that somebody is going down, you need to put, do something to prop them up. And that's why affirmative action, for example, is supposed to be a temporary program. It's never supposed to last forever. Right. As for Ghana, we haven't even started. 26 minutes past the hour of seven. I guess for tonight, an extremely passionate Angela Jamuna Abwaji, who you would want to call a gender activist, a women's rights activist, you I call... Mean, I prefer women's rights advocates. Right, advocate, my... advocate. Yes, I love that. But I, I, I submit that the Angela of 10 years ago was very different from the Angela of today. But that's another oh. discussion we can have on any day. <laughs> you know, when I put out a profile, there are two things about... You know, for those who love to stereotype, there are two things that characterize the thinking, one of which is that... Uh, an advocate or in, on the extreme end, an activist, an activist typically does not marry. When you called it, when, oh, when, when you mentioned shame. marriage records, I, I smiled. And then the other thing is that they see a woman with 
lots of degrees and accomplishments, then she does not marry. And oh. so the phone I put out your your that you were coming on the program on Facebook, the first thing somebody asked, is she is she married? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I've said this several times, no, you know. How many, uh, no matter how you say something, yeah. you must appreciate the fact that people, yeah. not everyone, not everyone may probably even know about Angela. Somebody will be reading oh, your yes. profile oh, yes. for the first oh, yes. time. And I, so I agree. the person is I not agree. prejudiced. The person just reads the profile and asks the question, is she married? And I was yeah, like, ah. I agree. So, but there's a I, little I, stereotype in even asking. It, it because is. I guess it is. I, I needn't be married, you know. It is, it is the way society thinks. Exactly. It is the way society Which thinks. Which sometimes is sad. I give an answer, but for the benefit of, of, of listeners, mm-hmm. tell me about marriage. Oh, I've for the married benefit, for... Just for the benefit. I've been married for 23 years to a wonderful man called Kwame Ramnabwaje, the love of my life. Eh? Um, and between us, we have four lovely children, three daughters and a son. Uh, the last born is... 18, yes, he just turned 18 years old. So, yes, I have been married Your for children a long are now time. Ad- adults. So you're They're all adults now, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, does he serve you coffee? Oh, my husband. Yes. Oh, we serve each other coffee. We serve each other. You know, that's the thing about about marriage. Today, I I, I preached on marriage in, in, in one of our branches, and I was telling them that God's ideal marriage is two servants in a relationship serving each other. That's just it. There's no sense of boss and servant. They're two servants of God serving each other in marriage. And that's why the man is supposed to be a sacrificial person who lays down his life for his wife, as Christ did for the church, and the woman submits to this kind of servant leadership, and the, that's where the one flesh comes in. Otherwise, we are just doing what we see in the cultural space, and that's that's not Christian. Do you find the institution of marriage under threat? Um, yes, 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 um, because I understand the threats at different levels. There's a spiritual threat. Of course, the devil doesn't like that God would fulfill his purposes through procreation and also just having good families, enjoying God's purposes. So, yes, that threat is there. And then there's a threat of people just not understanding the institution of marriage, the way in which we marry, and the whole cultural, you know, um I don't know whether to call it backlash, but in Ghana, for example, there's a clash between modernism and culture, and right. it is causing huge upsets in right. marriage. Right. You find many women, for example, are getting ahead in education and so on and so forth, and their and their and their men are expecting them to be like their mothers. And a, a friend of mine described it in a very funny way. He says mm-hmm. that the, the, the typical Ghanaian man wants a woman to call him Mira, and yet, exactly. and yet he, he wants her to be cosmopolitan and dress nicely to show nicely up to his friends. Nicely and you everything, can, and, be your and have it. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and wants to eat fresh in contemporary stew every day and all kinds of things. And it's like, be real. Right. Be 30 real. minutes past the hour of seven. The, the announcement to you tonight is be real. Be real. Some yes. of the cultural expectations and dynamics have changed so much that exactly. if you don't get real, you'll find yourself trapped in the past. My guest for tonight, Angela Jamnabwaj, you're having a different kind of discussion from what you are used to, but it's a leader's digest because we are finding out what drives her, what are the pillars that hold her life, what is it that makes somebody like her devote all the resources, all the education she's required to a cause that 
somebody who does not understand may not even identify with. Angela, what drives you? What pushes you? Passion to fulfill God's purpose. Passion? Yes. You see in this a divine purpose? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Because it is about serving humanity. There isn't any best person to the in the whole world that typifies that in Jesus Christ who came basically as a servant to serve humanity. So anytime we are doing anything in service to humanity and if you're a Christian, uh, you know, like me, I'd say I'm working in his vineyard. And so I see what I do as part of, of, of that broad calling, you know, to empower people. Isaiah 58, you know, he talks about the kind of fast he's looking for, you know, to, to serve other people, to bring strangers to your house and to clothe them and to feed them and to take care of people, you know, um, in Matthew 25 and all of that. Those are the questions he's going to ask us in the end. When I was in prison, what did you do when I was poor when I was sick, you know, what did you do? And that will be the separation between um, the sheep and the goats, as it were. Um, so, yes, in the past, I may have defined it a little differently. I would have said that, you know, I'm doing this, yes, out of passion. I believe in it and all of that. Today, I am very, very strong on, on the fact that I think it's part of the divine calling that God has given me um, to serve humanity in this way. What are the key questions that we're asking on this on in this series? Uh, what are the three pillars, values, principles that undergird the life of Angela? Um, first one, excellence, empowerment. Second one, equality. The third one. But now there are two overarching principles: doing the will of God walking in his purposes, doing the will of God, walking in his purposes. So the principles that have guided me from the past and still guide me are excellence, doing the best in the field in which I find myself. So whether I'm training or I'm teaching or I'm preaching or I'm counseling or I'm advocating, I want to do the best, be the best in that field. And also equality, meaning that I see everybody as created in the image and likeness of God and grant them that dignity in spite of my divergence with their own views or the the diversities that we have, okay, and also empowerment, empowering others. And so these are now subsumed under the broader rubric of doing the will of God and fulfilling his purposes for my life. I don't let go integrity. That always comes in there in the center being who you really are right. an authentic you authentic you yes. 33 minutes past the hour 7 o'clock this is Springboard of Virtual University my guest Angela Jamna Abuaji she's given us her three key pillars and just so you can just remember them it is EEE excellence empowerment and then equality and she talks about the fact that under under the banner of equality she looks at dignity treating people with dignity appreciating their diversity and seeing everyone as having been created in the image of God she says that this is the building these are the three pillars however there is a roof 
and that roof is doing God's will. And then there is there is also a foundation, and the foundation is integrity. If you don't understand it, just draw it. Draw in integrity as the foundation. Draw the three pillars: empowerment, excellence, and then equality. You make and then it put, so easy. Put a roof on it. Exactly. Doing, you have a whole house God's there, will. and that is the house that Angela is building. And that's how nice it will look. I'll try and draw it and put it on Facebook for you. That will be wonderful. But we'll go for a brief musical break right now. And then when we come back, I'll be telling you about why public speaking. Angela is talking so about the rubric and, and, and about all, all the nice things. And, and she's speaking so fluently because public speaking is one of the critical skills that every person would require. Whether you are an advocate, a lawyer like she is, whether you are a lecturer like she is, whatever career you find yourself in, you will need public speaking to operate at the top. And so when I come back from this commercial break, I'll be telling you why you need to why you need to develop yourself in the area of public speaking. And by the way, the winner of the contest, be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger is Obed Innocent Tetterson. Obed, you're the first, this is the first time you're winning on the show. All the regulars have been overtaken because you were quick off the blocks. So you get to win yourself a copy of the book Mentoring for Success and Matthew would make it available to you. 39 minutes past the hour of 7 o'clock in Springboard, your virtual university. And as we build on in this series, Leaders Digest, this is edition number six. And my guest for tonight, Angela Jamina Abuaji. But I have good news for CEOs, pastors, public officials, senior sales executives, and managers. So mark these dates, Wednesday the 28th and Thursday the 29th of October. Take out two days in the year to sharpen yourself in probably one of the most important skills you will need as an executive 9am till 4pm each day now how does this list look like as a content package for public speaking number one building credibility even when you step on stage number two stage presence number three how to develop your content number four planning and preparation number five using supporting tools like powerpoint diagrams and all the other ancillary tools number six self-confidence and mental mastery number seven how to manage the audience and let them move with you number eight sales and corporate presentation number nine controlling your space and then very importantly on the wings of this training you would also have practical coaching and mentoring session for individuals on the wings and that is for the 28th and the 29th of October 2014. The venue is the Knowledge Center East Legon and the time is 9 a.m. till 4 p.m. The rate is 950 Ghana cities per person. Just call the numbers 0544315164 or 0244359393 and you will be given details and you can receive an email um, update on the program just so you can participate. But plan to attend 29th and the 30th, Wednesday and Thursday. All right. So today we are, you may call it the empowerment edition of Springboard, the virtual university. Talking about, about empowerment, I have on the line somebody who has devoted her life to empowerment. Her organization is one of the organizations that has given Angela an award, um, the African Women's Development Fund. And I have the senior programs manager, our good friend Abigail Begerson on the line. Abigail, good evening. Hi. Good evening, Albert. Welcome good to Springboard. Good evening to all your listeners. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. And how is the family? Very well, by God's grace. Fantastic. We've been talking about excellence, empowerment, and equality. And I just want to find out your thoughts about the importance of empowerment from your perspective. Um, Thank you very much, Albert, once again. And hello, Angela, and thank you very much 
for upholding the values of which you do. And um, empowerment is very critical to us all. Every human being needs to have that as a value. But before then, you need to have something to you in, within you before you can empower. You need to have a certain power in you to empower others. And that could mean different things. That power, empowerment could be different things. So empowerment is very critical. And as human beings, we all each a responsibility to make the world a better place for others. And that, I just read that in what Angela was talking about. We have a responsibility to make um, others feel better, society better, and provide for others, especially for those who have. So having something within you would enable you to empower others. It could be knowledge, it could be skill, it could be resources, but you need to actually work to have that power within you to be able to give out to others. And we all need that because we are always surrounded by people who would need to be empowered, strengthened by word, strengthened by support, strengthened by provision and guidance. So empowerment is a very important skill for life. Let me let me let me push you along the issue of gender empowerment in particular and and in particular women. You've worked in that space for for several years. I mean, we have fifty two percent thereabouts of our population being women. Correct. The line is a bit funny now. Right. I'm saying that we have the population of the country can be equally divided almost between men and women. How critical is it that we get it right in terms of optimizing our human put our human capital? Oh, wait, I'm very sorry. Can you repeat it? The line is a bit funny. It's breaking up for me. Right. I'll, 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 I'll raise this line again. I'll raise the line again, and then and then I'll come back to my guest or, 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 or Abigail Begerson, who I have on the line. But hello, Abigail. Hello, Abigail. Yeah, hello, Albert. I can hear you. Right. So I was saying that from the previous census that we've had, we have approximately half the population being women. How critical is it that we bring them into the economic space, especially looking at human capital development? Um, it, it is extremely important because, well, I don't have the statistics on my fingertips, but if you know the the informal and formal I mean, you know, and when we talk about empowerment, women have so much disadvantage. I mean, even as a nation, the informal sector that women control and rule contributes a lot to our economy, but we do not even have a design program to support that, you know. And so when we talk about women's empowerment, all the time we, we zoom into thinking about um, women's rights are very critical to that. But we think of another thing. But we are looking at creating an enabling environment, an enabling space whereby it can support their growth, it can support prosperity of what they're doing, and then enhance their work. And that is what has been left undone over the years. I mean, we, we, we contribute and our contribution goes unrecognized. Um, women, the population actually has been driven by women in terms of size, in terms of what we do. And women's empowerment over the years have suffered because, to begin with, um, we have had all these issues, the traditional cultural practices and values that have been um, held women at bay. Even the way people recognize their male children and their women, their girl child, you know, the provisions made over that period. And these have been things that have actually propelled women and girls at bay. Over the years, awareness, recognition, and consciousness 
And that is why this empowerment process has been on. It's actually a deliberate and conscious effort to put in place measures, structures, systems to support women moving from one level to the other and to bring on board the provisions that women have not had in the past. Let me ask you a straight question. Have we made progress? You've been at this for over 20 years. Have we made progress? Well, I think as a country we've made progress. And I would say so at the work of people like Angela, people like Dr. Ruth Mason, Kutin, Abanta Development for Women, Abanta for Development, the Art Foundation, LAWA, and a number of women's rights organizations, the Gender Center, and all that. It may be too tiny for us to see 10 years now since the Women's Manifesto was launched in Ghana. We have seen it become a reference point for a number of issues. You know, we have seen these things actually leading to the creation of the domestic violence, you know, the world without cause of and all those things. We have made progress, right. but we could have done better. A whole lot of things that we are seeing today, the prosecution of um, people who rape young um, children and women and all those things, the laws that have been quickened and restructured and awakened, the facilities that we have that is attending promptly to um, victims at the police station. These are all things that the women's movement champions, right. you know, and it is all part of the process. So, yes, I would say we made progress. But it could be better. It could be better. Thank you very much, Abigail Begerson, for joining us. She's the Senior Programs Manager at the African Women's Development Fund, and I'm sure there's so much we can catch up on. But thank you, Abigail, for joining us. And I'm sure, Angela, you have your thoughts on, the, on, on what Abigail has shared. But let me let me pick one more person, Rene Kiyobuating. Rene is, a, Rene is a corporate executive. Let me see if I can pull Rene through the line. But I have a question. In one of our trips to... Um, why in the upper, upper, upper west region during the springboard rush show, I, we met a, a number of young people, young ladies, exciting, enterprising young ladies, but it was a very interesting development. They said they wanted to be nurses and they wanted to be teachers. And there's nothing wrong with being a nurse and nothing wrong with being a teacher, but they, they literally were pleading with us that they, their parents were, I mean, they could become um, what do you call it? Accountants, they could become doctors, but they wanted to be nurses and teachers. And it was quite an interesting revelation. Somebody pleading that I want to become a nurse and a teacher and not an accountant. And I found out why. And it was because it was guaranteed government jobs or guaranteed salary. It was very, very interesting. Have you, have you come across this, Angela? In your, well, in, in I'm the not surprised at all, you know, because we are sort of cast into a mold by the circumstances and the cultures in which we find ourselves. And it takes somebody coming often from the outside, and that's why the empowerment process is important, to actually open your eyes um, to the wider horizon that is outside there. And so in cultures where or in, in communities where you don't have a lot of role models, you know, already they have been marginalized because the uh, educational opportunities have not been given them and so on. You don't set, set you don't set your, your, your eyes or your height so, you know, high. You, you, you sort of want to conform to what has be, become the norm. You know, the people who are actually making it in the society. You don't go much beyond that. So it shouldn't surprise anybody, but that's why 
roadshow and the other kinds of programs that empower people now opens a whole new uh, face of life to you. We all went through it at a certain point, you know, when we began to think, oh, you don't just have to fit into what culture says you're supposed to be. Right. You can do better. Let me bring on Renee Kilbuating, who is a, a corporate leader and a business leader in her own right. Renee, good evening and welcome to Springboard. Good evening, Albert. Thank you so much for having me. How's everything? Very well, thank you. Well, you are you are a, a, a CEO in your own right. You travel around the world. You speak at conferences. Do you find that the issues that we are discussing are are relevant in terms of empowering empowering women to take up the the, the heights as far as business and leadership are concerned? Definitely, I'm, I'm really glad that you're talking about this because I think you know it's about time that women step up and you know move forward and make an impact because we can. So, you know, I'm really excited. I was I was really happy listening to um, Auntie Angela. And, you know, I hope a lot of young ladies are listening to this. So it encourages and empowers and motivates them to, to take a step and to move ahead. Let, let me let me let me ask you a very direct one. Um, Renee, do you one of the challenges that we face, even in what we do, we find people who are very accomplished. But whenever we invite them to speak on our platforms, on the roadshow um, or even here in the radio, we find that people who are very accomplished, especially when I'm talking about women in particular, mm-hmm. they, they, they step back and, and then they dodge, as it were. Why, why is it so? Um, I think it's because of lack of um, self-confidence, which is uh, my speciality, one of my specialities in um, image consultancy. I find that I see a lot of beautiful women. I meet so many beautiful women, and I'll compliment them. I'll say, oh, you look so beautiful. I love what you're wearing. And then you get, oh, are you serious? Oh, I didn't think I was so beautiful, and this and this and this. And I'm talking about, like you said, um, highly educated women. But there are women who are highly educated with their heads always in their books. But then they can't stand in front of the people. They can't stand on the podium and speak to people because they lack self-confidence, you know. And that is what I love to do. Really, so why? Women the, the question is, mm-hmm. the question is why? That 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 is that is a point of curiosity for, for us. Why is it so? Um, you know, some they could it could be that they are shy. It could it could be that they have a low self-esteem. So maybe growing up, they were always teased. You get so many different things, you know. Like they probably in school um, once spoke in front of assembly and made a mistake and the whole school screamed, they, you know, everybody was laughing at them. And from then they told themselves, I'm never speaking in public again. It could be different things, you know. It's not just, I can't give you one reason and say that this is what it is. But I think it really is to do with having a low self-esteem and not being confident in yourself. I can tell you that I had, I, had, I had a very disastrous start in public speaking, but I survived. Let me let me ask you, if somebody is listening out there, if, if there's a woman listening out there, somebody listening out there whose confidence level is low, who has, who has everything, the skill, the ability, the education, but somehow is not able to step up because of confidence, what, what, what short message do you have for them in a minute? You know what I'll say? I'll say, um, you know, start talking to yourself in, in front of a mirror. It sounds, it sounds uh, funny, but seriously, you know, prepare a speech stand in front of your mirror and, and, and look at yourself and speak. You know, have confidence in yourself. You need to believe that you are an amazing person. You need to love yourself, first of all. You need to, to, to discover who you are. And don't seek to others for, um, you know, for approval. Do you understand? Like, just, just accept yourself as you are. Stand in front of your mirror. If, if you're invited to speak somewhere, prepare a speech. Stand in front of the mirror. You know, talk 
you can also get uh, somebody you trust, a good friend, you know, and then, like, you know, uh, speak in front of that person and let them tell you honestly what mistakes you made or what you could improve upon and things like that. And that's the only way you need to practice as well because nobody can just, you know, come and stand. You can't invite somebody to come and speak to a thousand people and you just get up without preparation. You also need to prepare. Right. And you also need to make sure that you're looking your best so you stand up there, you get a lot of nods, you get a lot of smiles, and it gives you that confidence as well. So it's also in looking your best. You also have to make sure that you are well-dressed, you are well-presented. Renee, before you go, if, if I had to push you to the wall and see what percentage would public speaking and communication occupy, if you are looking at the critical tools that a person will need for career success, what percentage will you give public speaking? Hmm. <laughs> I told you to give it. <laughs> I don't know. I... <laughs> Auntie Angela, help me here. Yeah, ask you for a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> help me here. I don't know. Well, let, I, let me I, ask you your, in your depends. own opinion, because you've, mm-hmm. you've centered on it quite a bit. Would you say it's very critical? It is critical. That's it is. I it think is. it is. Right. Yeah. Thank you very yeah. much, Renee. Yeah. Thank I'm you. sure we'll make some time so today to some more detail, but enjoy your evening and thanks for being thank with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Have a right. good evening. Right. Bye. Thank you. So, Renee Kilbert is, a, is a, an image specialist and she speaks at several different functions in, in different countries. And Angela, you find that there is a growing cadre of very confident leaders and women who are doing this and who are stepping out. And the beautiful thing is that each one comes at this from their own angle. And that's what makes it very beautiful. Absolutely, yes. I, I'm sure that it, yeah. it initially it was like a lone voice crying in the world and it's one or two or three people <laughs> who are targeted as rebels. But now the, yes. message is, the message is gone across. Oh, it has. It has. In mm. actual fact... I, I, I sometimes get surprised when people say they can't find the woman who can speak and speak up and speak well. It is a reality. It's, that's and, and, my and, circle. Angela, Angela, I'm not it, saying it's not true. Yes. I'm saying that that's my circle. So it can, you know, it can, I can become blind to it. There's so many women that I meet every day in different spaces who speak well, who are confident, who are, question is, are we giving them space? We still run a largely, um, uh, male-centric, um, culture, even in Ghana, most of the big programs, they'll tell you they can get the men first. Yes, they can. Because the men have wives. The women don't have wives. Mm. Okay? Any man, you pick the phone and you say, can you come to this program at this time? You know, they can. They are not washing, they are not cooking, they are not cleaning, they are not running around, putting on the pampas. The women, you often have to be sensitive enough to, to let them understand that they need time to put that those things in place. We still haven't freed them from those shackles. If we don't recognize that, look, there are lots of women who can speak and make their voices heard and they will just not be able to come into the public space. But yes, there are those also who, again, because of the the kind of conceptualization we have of women, be seen, not heard, be pretty, be sexy, but you know, we don't, I don't want you to come and uh, be crossing me in the public space. These things are real. So for largely a lot of women have imbibed it. It's become a, a, an internalized thing. And so you would find that there are many women, especially those with high profile husbands who are always wanting to be in the shadows because they don't want trouble at home. They don't want trouble Let at home. With a so very, these things are real. Let me push you with a very, very strong issue. When you talk about um, women, be, be sexy, it just brings to mind um, some some rumors and some perceptions that mm-hmm. circulate in the public space that in the very competitive marketplace, some organizations use young, their young sales executives and tell them dress in a particular yes. way to create yes. advantage for our company. Yes. I want you to speak directly to the subject. It is true. 
and that's sexual harassment. And it's bad because in Ghana, we don't have policies on sexual harassment. And this one is direct sexual harassment. Once you are telling women that they should use their bodies to your, your company's advantage, it's sexual harassment. Unfortunately, when we're doing the 100 top 20 or 100 top companies and we don't add those things as indicators. I don't know on what basis that, you know, banks and corporate organizations are chosen as the best in this and the best in that. Some of these things are the indicators we should start looking for. How do they value their human resource? How do they treat them with dignity? Especially the women and the young women among them. I know it's a rife thing. I, I, I know it for a fact because these things are reported to us. And you're saying that it's sexual it is harassment. sexual harassment. It's a very and people should be careful because, and you know, uh, we are growing in knowledge and understanding and the world is becoming globalized. And soon companies are going to pay in the millions in court suits. They should just wait for a few young women to wake up and take them to court and they will be shocked. And in at your what opinion, will companies that do that should not be rewarded. No, they shouldn't. That's why it should come into the indicators. Whoever draws up the indicators for the best uh, in the top company should add those things and look out for those things because it's about your human resource. Should the young ladies be bold to step out and see this? Yes, young ladies should be bold, but we should give them support because often we will hit their heads when they try to come out, especially if you're a lonely voice. A minute ago, Angela, your closing thoughts. Well, um, closing thoughts, thank you for having me. Um, I'm happy to be here because I think that it's important for people, especially women, to know that they were also created in the image and the, in the likeness of God. And so all the skills that are given to our male counterparts, be it, you know, intelligence or ability to step up and speak or all the things you're talking about, they have it within them. One day there's accountability. So my prayer is that, yes, they should ensure that they don't bury their gifts. They don't bury their God-given gifts under any circumstances because God will ask them. Don't bury your God-given gifts. And in the words of Rene Q, love yourself. Love yourself and mm-hmm. step out there and do what God called you to do. And talking about doing what God called you to do, remember the 29th and the 30th of October, Wednesday and Thursday are dedicated to public speaking and you want to sign up to the class and it's mainly CEOs top leadership pastors and then public officials if you also are a senior sales executive this program is for you don't wait until it's over and say if somebody had told me i would have been there it's 950 ghana cities 9 a.m till 4 p.m and the number to call 0544-315164 or 0244-359393 i want to say thank you to angela jamnabwaji for being our guest on edition number six of leaders digest uh, on behalf of comfort the boss did you hear that? The boss. Right. And then Matthew and Ishra, this has been Reverend Albert O'Kran saying, God bless you, God bless you, and God bless you. Good night. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert and E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary conferences and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus two three three two four nine 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 zero zero zero. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, Amazon.com or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. 
Until we come your way again, always remember you are blessed indeed. No, no.